0: Friends, let us pray. God, whose mercies are new every morning, we are thankful that we have been gathered by the power of your Spirit virtually and in person on this day with your church around the world to hear your words, speak to our hearts and minds, open us up to your will and grace, challenge us and comfort us that we would never be the same. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, in whose name we pray. Amen. You've probably already heard this, but I've been sharing with Session, with Outreach and Mission. I've been sharing with different members and staff. Is up north a real place? I mean, seriously. Seriously. Everyone talks about up north like a mystical land. It's not unlike North Pole where you find Santa Claus. It's not unlike, you know, the fountain of youth. It's not unlike Shangri-La or these utopian paradises where everything seems to be good. Problems fade away and we're all trying to get there. I've joked, it's like, journeying through the closet into Narnia or going into one of Tolkien's descriptions of the Shire. This up north sounds beautiful and wild and wonderful and, frankly, hard to believe. It's too mystical. Everyone's going there. Everyone loves it. Everyone says it's beautiful. Not one little disappointment. Up north almost heaven to some. Some would describe it, it's the heaven I need right now. Today we're going to focus on this part of the Lord's Prayer as we've been doing these couple of weeks. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth was last week as it is in heaven is today. Now, Pastor Nate and Pastor Angela have already talked about the kingdom of heaven and and heaven on earth and and talked about uh, surrendering to God's will and God's will for our lives and all of these wonderful, wonderful uh, things to reflect on and be challenged by, be stirred up in spirit for. But today, I want to talk to you about our need for heaven what the Bible says about heaven and why I think the concept of heaven and dare I say the reality of heaven is actually really important for us. So first, our need for heaven. Last week, uh, if you were able to hear the sermon, I talked about friends that I have who are strict materialists. What, What does that mean? Uh, if you go back to philosophy, sorry to trigger anyone, uh, it's, it's a, an outlook that all you see and all that can be measured by your senses or, or, uh, or inventions we have to measure data, et cetera, et cetera, that is all that exists. It's what you can touch, taste, see, feel, hear, and sense through other equipment. But... I always wanna turn to those friends and say, in the face of tragedy, in the face of loss, in the face of injustice, do you really think this is all there is? Our human ancestors don't seem to think so. In fact, something I always reference, or try to at least, is this incredible fact, and I don't know that we all Understand it. I don't know that I understand it. I wonder if we take it for granted that for hundreds of thousands of years, our ancestors have been performing burial ceremonies. They've been burying the dead. Now, a strict materialist would simply say, well, they were in a camp and somebody died, and soon they learned this spread disease or it attracted wild animals, which was a threat, so they buried them. That would be a fine enough explanation except for when we uncover something in those graves as archeologists have done and anthropologists and we find in there art, we find remnants of food, we find these tokens of affection but also religious or proto-religious meaning. Something about death And something about properly burying our brothers and sisters, our tribe members, felt so significant that some of the oldest civilizations, the oldest civilizations we know of, all had some kind of burial ceremony all had some ritual to mark the significance of life and death, and all in placing this artwork and food and tokens of affection seem, one could argue with strong evidence, to be pointing to some kind of hereafter, some kind of afterlife. Afterlife is not a concept unique to Christianity. We can find it in almost every world religion and world view in the broadest of terms, we certainly could. But even in the narrowest of terms, we could find something. For instance, we know, of course, there are religions like Islam uh, that would believe in a hereafter, a paradise to come. Uh, Of course, this is contrasted to, say, uh, Hinduism with Nirvana or Buddhism with enlightenment, where we become at one, kind of like a droplet of water in the sea of mystery and life, and yet even there, there is a hereafter, there's a some kind of continued existence. Even science has something like this, you know, that term energy can neither be created nor destroyed, that the world, the universe is just recycled energy in different forms and shapes. Life continues, and it always was and always will be according to some science and physics we see this even in political thought you look at marxism which very strictly uh, rejected religion as the opiate of the people it also looked to a kind of heaven a heaven where people would be equal where people would share resources as they needed and those would work who could work at, according to their ability and each according to their need and that we would be this utopia Like heaven, this idea of heaven has driven us, has motivated us, has inspired our outwork and our burial ceremonies and has created and been the source of creation for so many myths, Egyptian and Greek and Native American and Mayan and on and on and on. It seems as if deep within us, Is this need for heaven? Now, I'm going to paraphrase C.S. Lewis here and remind you, in case you've forgotten, that C.S. Lewis has this great quote where he says, you know, if you see a duck uh, and it longs uh, to swim, there is such a thing as water. And, and if you, you see someone who is hungry and they have a stomach, well, there's such a thing as food. And if we find that nothing on this earth can ultimately and finally satisfy the deepest longings of our hearts, could it be, might it be, that in fact, we were made for another world. Another world. that. I believe is our need for heaven. We need the idea of heaven because when we look around, even on the greatest of days, there is still a little bit, maybe just a little bit of dissatisfaction, maybe just a little bit of disappointment, maybe just a tinge of sadness. Why? Think about your best day. Think about your favorite day with family and friends. Think about what you're doing. If you're Pastor Nate, you've got chocolate burgers, you're with your family, all of these things. You're up north, those of you who go to that mystical land. And there you are in this beautiful place, but someone's missing, someone you love, someone who's no longer here, a parent, a child, a friend, a spouse, yes. These moments can be beautiful and satisfying, but something deep within us still lurks, still lingers, nostalgia even, what could have been, what might have been. These moments are also tinged with sadness. Lives as Christians even are are lives of joy and sorrow. That is why we need heaven. We need heaven because we must believe that there's more to life than what meets the eye. There is more to life than just the repeated patterns of injustice and poverty and lies and, and, and. That there's more to life. That, that those kids that this passage in Isaiah refers to that have died before their time that they should have lived longer, that they could have lived longer, that something happened, something went wrong that didn't allow them to see the fullness of life. This, my friends, wouldn't be possible unless there was some kind of standard to compare it to, unless, unless there was heaven, unless there was heaven. It's an important thing to keep in mind because otherwise you'll drive yourself crazy and thinking, why am I not satisfied? Why is it that I, I, every time I get what I think I want and I get what I think I need, I just keep wanting more. And so we'll try all these steps and well, I just gotta live content and I've just gotta sacrifice and I've just, I've just got, you know, mustn't mumble, mustn't mumble, mustn't complain, just, just keep going, take it day by day. We might try all of these things, but deep within us, we have this incredible mystical, and I think God-given, longing for something more than what we see, something more than this life can offer, as if we are made for another world, according to C.S. Lewis, unless there was heaven. And this scripture gives us an image of heaven. No more shall there be in it an infant that lives but a few days or an old person who does not live out a lifetime heaven. Where there is no more sound of weeping or the cry of distress. Where God will delight in God's people because we won't be hurting each other any more. We will be glad and rejoice forever at this new thing that God is doing, the new heaven and the new earth, and the former things that tortured us, that, that hurt us, that bound us, shall be remembered no more. They shall not come to mind. We shall not hold on to regrets. We shall not hold on to bitterness. We shall indeed rejoice. We shall indeed be one in Christ Jesus. These are the images of heaven. The images that only poetry and and metaphor and hymns and and movies and and, and literature can begin to, to get us there. That is why art And music, hymnody, and and these images of heaven are so important because in fact, they tell us that we are longing for it. We are longing for it deep down inside. And you know what it is. You know why there are some of us who've maybe said, I don't know about heaven. I don't know about all that. It's because we don't want to be disappointed. We don't want to be vulnerable anymore, not this time. You're not going to get me this time. You may have lied to me once, but not again. And here's the scripture over and over again, giving us these images of heaven, of paradise, of a new garden, a new city where God is the light. We will have no longer need of light, that we will join in this unending hymn singing, holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might. Hosanna in the highest, that there will be enough for all, that there will be justice. There will be love and hope and peace at last. There will be rest, but an active rest, a rest of fun and joy and delight. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, but the, the, the serpent shall eat not people and not attack others, but it shall eat dust. They shall not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain. I know these images are of a new heaven and a new earth. But you see, I think this is God challenging us. This is God saying, listen, there is no way you can imagine heaven. You try to get get yourself uh, into heaven, into those images. And your, your head, your mind will burst open, says Chesterton. There's no way to do it. But heaven can come to us. And the scriptures attest to the fact that in Jesus Christ, the kingdom of heaven has drawn near, that the kingdom of heaven is in our midst, as Pastor Nate preached, that the kingdom of heaven is knocking on our door, it's in our neighborhoods, it's all around us, it's at our front stoop. Will you open the door? Will you open your heart? Will you open your mind and be challenged by the kingdom of heaven? That is why we need heaven. And that is why the Bible gives us these images of heaven, these beautiful, poetic metaphor, m- metaphors of, and symbols of heaven, not so we can argue over them, well, it's gonna be exactly like this and, that, and that's exactly like that, and here's who's gonna be in it and who's, here's who's not gonna be in it, but rather that our hearts might be lifted up from the daily struggle, You know, that's what happened in the civil rights movement. The civil rights movement was inspired by hymns, We Shall Overcome. They were inspired by scripture, the the beatific visions of the prophet Isaiah, where there will be no more war. There will be no more study of war. There will be no more destroying one another, but we shall be at peace, the peaceable kingdom. It was these images, it was, it was this knowledge, and it was the certainty of what was to come, that it was inevitable, that heaven was coming on earth, had come in Christ Jesus, and was coming, taking on flesh through us, the community of God, the community of faith that inspired these civil rights leaders to give their lives. For they knew it's coming, it's coming. I know it, I believe it, I feel it deep down in my heart. The kingdom of heaven will overcome. Martin Luther King always liked to quote, the arc of the universe is long, but it bends toward justice. It bends toward heaven, my friends. Heaven is to come. We can be assured of that. That is also what inspired the slaves. The the slaves who, who rose up, refusing to accept their circumstances just as they were. Imagine if you and I simply accepted the world as it is, just the way things are. You've heard that expression, it is what it is just how it is the powers that be the status quo you know you just got to take it the good with the bad you know the good die young i mean we've got all these mantras and expressions of just how it is but the bible refuses refuses to let up it's relentless in telling us no no it is not as it should be and it is not as it will be the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so, yes, maybe up north is this mystical land. Maybe heaven is this mystical world. But it beats anything we can imagine. It beats anything we can create with our own hands. In fact, we've tried to create these utopias, these communities, but inevitably someone is excluded. Inevitably, we get something wrong. Inevitably, our systems aren't perfect and often oppress or leave out someone. There are winners and losers in our system, but in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of heaven, it's an entire economy altogether. It is the radical grace of God. It changes us. It transforms us from the inside out. It transforms our world. And that's why we need heaven to be inspired. That's why we wrestle over, but also rejoice around the mystery of the poetic language about heaven. And it is also why we need to take that piece of heaven, that, that bit of heaven God has placed in our scriptures and in our music and, and, and in, our, in our realities, and imagine the world. Not as it is, but as it could be. It's the world sees it. And that is the task of friendship. So this is something really practical for you to walk away with. This week and in the weeks to come, I invite you, I challenge you, I encourage you to go out of your way to appreciate the current friends you have and to make friends with those you might not otherwise. And church is a great place to do that people you might never have come across if it weren't for the fact that you're at the same worship service, at the same service opportunity, at the same outreach event, at the same Bible study or small group. That is a way to remind one another of heaven that this isn't all that there is. There is something more, and it has come in Jesus Christ. It is coming through the church and will come again by the power of the Spirit, We wait until it comes at last. Amen.